This is Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge, and this is episode number 186 of our weekly therapy session known as Bizarro World. Normally, Nick, I would do the introduction and talk about all the crazy things going on in the world, but today we're at the Beaver Creek Precious Metal Summit. So I wanted to start by saying, one, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm on the couch. It feels like a therapy session. <laughs> We're going to make some breakthroughs here today, Nick. <laughs> you mean to lay down? Yeah, no, I, think we'll, I think we'll be okay. Let's not do that. So listen, we, uh, we got in a few days ago. It's been, um, on my end of it, a productive, productive conference thus far. I'd love to get your take on the sentiment. Um, you know, the sentiment and the energy, I think, are two different things. I heard mm. someone say earlier that uh, he was He's energized. a smart one, folks, I tell you. <laughs> that he was energized by being here. And certainly the bar was buzzing the, the past couple of nights and, and people are having a good time of it. Uh, I think that stems from being the first one in person in a couple of years yep. and just everybody being back at it. Um, that, of course, is uh, different than sentiment, like I said, which if you look at the charts and, and even while we were here, the market had a, a 4% down day. It's worse since June of 2020. So sentiment is another thing. You know, when I talk to companies, most of the questions they're getting asked is, you know, how are you funding yourselves? Are you going to need more money? How are you going to be able to raise that money? It's still a, it's still a tough environment out there with uh, commodities relatively soft and, and people who didn't raise money earlier in the year wondering why they didn't. So um, I think that's a pretty good summation. I think that's a... Excuse me. I think that's a great summation. It's been interesting to me in the meetings that I decided to take. Um, I, I, I try to make it to where I took a few meetings with explorers, a few meetings with producers, and a few meetings with companies that are looking to get in production. And by far, the most pain is being felt by the companies that are looking to get into production that are having cost overruns. Crazy, yeah. right? And we've seen recently a couple of companies that completely blew out their capex estimates, right, and 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 blew themselves up, and so I say that to actually go in a positive direction. There's companies that I think are doing a hell of a job um, in 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 keeping up with inflation, uh, procuring the equipment that they need a year and a half or two ago, and one in particular really stuck out. Sabina, uh, Sabina has done a wonderful job during a very challenging environment, procuring all its equipment, getting funding in place. You know, doing things the right way, not rushing it and making sure that they don't end up in one of these situations where they get a, a, a revised estimate on something and all of a sudden that project's not being built. And so, you know, kudos to that team for doing it the right way. The market's not giving I them any I was just going to say, is the market rewarding them for the that? The market it's is not, absolutely yeah. not rewarding them for that. And, you, you know, there's so many CEOs that are clearly frustrated at the fact that they're delivering the goods to the market and the market is yawning. Now, that is the gold space, right? And I know that this is a precious metal summit. It's been interesting to me how few companies are boasting about their silver exploration and or their resource base, right? Um, one company that stuck out to me that we interviewed yesterday, Dolly Varden Silver. Sure. Sean Kuhn Kuhn, um, very, very good at telling the company's story. He's got a clear vision for that company. And credit to him, you know, he's being aggressive where most silver explorers are being timid. And, you know, he's not short on ounces, he's not short on cash, and he's not short on vision. So Dolly Barton Silver is a company that I would say is worth a look if, if, if you want quality silver exposure. With that being said, I think silver is going to stay trading as an industrial metal here for the next, at least probably the next six months. Oh, I agree with you. You know, I was telling you earlier, I met with someone who I'm in a private silver deal with. Uh, I've actually been in the private deal for going on six or seven years now. 
uh, written a check at six cents, written a check at 25 cents. and They, they answered your calls back then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's it been lately? Well, they still answer my calls, but now they're, they're less optimistic about when they're going to IPO, which is what I was going to say, right? <laughs> so, you know, they filed their prospectus. They, they, they got all their audits done to go, to go public this quarter. And now they're thinking, you know, maybe next quarter, um, hopefully next quarter, right? It's not like they, they, they want to. It's that if they wait until the uh, first quarter of 2023, then they got to get all that stuff recertified, right? Because it's a new calendar year. So uh, all that to say that, yeah, they're content to delay their IPO because they don't think there's appetite for it in the market right? Agree. Agree. That's silver, that's gold. We're at a precious metal summit. I thought we would start there. Let's talk about the overall indices. I had a, a, a moment where I looked at my phone yesterday and, and mind you, today we're recording this. It's Wednesday the 14th, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a blur. It's been a blur. And typically we record on Thursday. But you know, I had a, I had a moment yesterday where I looked at uh, my phone and I thought the Dow was down 1.3%. And no, it was down 1,300 points. You've been warning that there was a lot of room left towards the downside before we got to fair valuations and before we got to a point where educated and, and institutional capital was willing to, to, to allocate capital back into the markets in a meaningful way. Still more room to go on the downside for the major indices? For sure. I mean, you got the S&P around 4,000. It could easily go to 3,800. Um, the people that thought the Fed could control inflation are being, you know, proven wrong, right? I mean, these are the same people who caused the inflation, and to believe that they could rein it in with a couple of rate hikes uh, was naive. And so you're seeing that the reason the markets were down was the CPI number, of course, right? It came out for August at 8.3 percent, um, and people thought that it was going to be much lower. I mean, you remember Biden tweeting in July that there was no inflation. You remember that, right? And zero um, percent. Politicians have been keen to point to gas prices going down, which yes, they're going down, but the you know core components of the of the index remain, remain stubbornly high. And so 8.3% is still 40-year high inflation, and the markets took it upon themselves to sell down 4% in a single day. So it was the worst down day since sort of the, the lows of the pandemic. It was the worst down day since June of 2020. And um, Which you referenced many times before this episode. You've said, we haven't seen a day yet like the lows of the pandemic, right? We just saw one. But we haven't seen the lows of the pandemic yet, right? Yeah, and you could see you could see more of those days. I might have just slipped on what I was going to say next, but the market definitely didn't like that, right? And, and there's more room to sell. So um, we had the June rally, which which I was calling a bear rally, bear rally, and now the market has given back all of the gains since now all of its August gains, all of the end of July gains, and and you're looking to go on back towards the the June lows. So, oh, it's volatility I was going to reference, which we mentioned in last week's podcast. Uh, I was saying the volatility was going to spike up, and all of a sudden, um, it's at a three-month high, right? Yeah, yeah. Nothing happens, and it happens all at once, right? That's it. That's gold. That's silver. Any copper names, any battery metals names. I know it's a precious metal summit, but they're lurking. Some yeah. of them not here officially, but here unofficially, right? Copper's interesting. You, you, we, talk, we talk about it every week, right? And, you know, it was $5 a pound in, in March, and today it's closer to three fifty. And and some, are the co- some of the copper names have struggled. Um, I sound like a broken record. We sold our Rio Tinto. I actually sold my Ivanhoe um, mm-hmm. last week, and, and, and that was a good move because copper had a little mini rally, and then it is sold off again here in the past couple of days. So um, the long-term picture is very clear. The short-term picture is, is much murkier, right? You've got a slowdown in China. The, they've got lockdowns, um, millions of people back in lockdown, and they've also got a typhoon about to hit, right? So we'll see uh, how long they get knocked offline, how, how much of a slowdown that's going to be. 
Um, but look, you know, John Black was sitting right here earlier, and, and last week you asked me for a name, and I gave you Aguila, and, and we could probably talk about Aldebaran for a little bit, right? I mean, that's, that's you know, uh, over a billion pounds of, of copper, right? And what was he saying? He sold his last copper asset for four, four cents for a four pound. Cents a pound, and this one is getting valued at less than a penny a pound, and um, it's growing. So, you know, that's a big deposit. Um, you know, you mentioned inflation already. Argentina's experiencing some 70 per, 70% inflation, right? I saw some numbers earlier today, second only to, to Turkey, which is at like 80% inflation. But um, those headwinds aside, I mean, that's a that's a giant deposit that they're um, going to drill an anomaly soon uh, here in the once the winter ends. You know, they're inverse of us because Southern Hemisphere. So they're about to get rigs turning again. He said that people were going to go check the roads and see how deep the snow was. And I'd be interested to see some more drill results for sure. You also mentioned the funding, right? How people are securing their funding. And that's a big component of Aldebar. And they've got um, significant shareholders in Route 1 and Sabanye and now in South 32, who he was mentioning. So, I mean, that's a great long-term copper play. The copper in the ground's not going anywhere, even if it takes five years for a, a true bull market in copper to materialize. And to be clear, John Black has been on the record saying, if copper just stays at 350, I'm, I'm, he's enthused. He said, I'm enthused. He said, 350 is, if you would have asked me two years ago, I would have taken that every day for the next five years. Copper doesn't need to be higher for that project to work. And copper doesn't need to be higher for... Aldebaran to be re-rated. You mentioned the valuation they're getting right now. Um, if copper never goes up another penny and they never discover another pound, that should be trading closer to a four to $500 million market cap. That's a four to five time return into, with today's copper price, with the asset that's the there now. Resource, yeah. And look, I, I think you mentioned something that's critical. You talked about the geophysics and, and, and the geochem work and the exploration work on the ground. He said they just got some geophysical data that, that I, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he said they had never seen a one-to-one correlation between the actual results that they received in the data set and what they found in the ground when they poked a hole near the edge of one of the anomalies. And so it's Right, sounds, not a complete hole, yeah. Right. And, and, and so it sounds to me like they have a tiger by the tail in an area that's outside of the current resource and in an area that we've already seen very long runs of mineralization that, you know, is borderline economic, but also was on the tip of that anomaly. Now they know exactly where they're drilling. It sounds like they're about to enter into their most aggressive drilling campaign in the company's history. And I believe that starts in October. And so if you're looking for your money's worth, and this is a free podcast where we rant and rave about all things, sure. Aldebaran is a great copper speculation if you're able to hold it for the next year or two years. And let John Black and that team do what they do best, which is sell assets for half a billion dollars in South America, right? Yeah. Before we recorded, yeah. I was talking about you know phyllo mining, and and uh, that's not a company I'm as intimately familiar with, but that's just a it's a monster copper asset, right? And it's also in Argentina, which is uh, what reminded me while we were talking there. And I was listening to a presentation here at Beaver Creek, and they were talking about the rock density and the the tonnage that they already have, and it's like multiple square kilometer blocks mm. that are already like 3.2 billion tons of resource, and so that stock is pulled back significantly significantly as well. I mean, uh, gosh, off the top of my head, I might not want to say, but I believe it was like $28 or mm -hmm. something is pulled back to 16. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, the chart looks like that's a healthy consolidation. And, and I put a little bit in today, not at the market, like a dollar below, but I'd be content to buy some more phyllo for sure. Absolutely. Can't have a bizarro world without talking uranium and lithium, right? It's not a coincidence to me that the uranium and lithium names, even during that nasty sell-off, 
held up pretty damn well. The yeah. lithium Americas of the world, even the fission uraniums of the world, if yeah. you want to look at uranium, um, they, they weren't down four, five, six percent or 10 percent like a lot of the other plays um, in the metal space. And, and so thoughts there. I know that we continue to preach strength in the lithium and uranium space. And we think short term, that's where the action is going to be. But has that narrative changed for you at all? There's so much to talk about. Fission put out an updated resource. I think it was 1.3 million pounds of, of U308. We know that's a high grade deposit. Um, the news continues to flow, right? Uh, Europe is wanting to, to ration energy. They're putting headlines now, coming up with a plan. They desperately need their uh, nuclear reactors. A company we know in Poland, um, was it KGHM? Is that yeah, what it is? Uh, partnered with uh, NuScale this week to, to build the first uh, small modular reactor in Poland. And um, I saw another announcement by LEU, the company, to um, that they've contracted for $320 million worth of sales over the next, I believe it was like eight years or something. So, um, you know, those contract sales are starting to come back into the market where there's been a dearth of those for a while. Um, yeah, the ETFs remain strong. The 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 news, like I say, just continues to fall in place. I think there was another reactor um, in the U.S. that's going to get an extension of its life, uh, maybe Tennessee Valley Authority or something yeah. like that. And um, yeah, no, the, the prices uh, hold up. You know, the, your, your U308 at the spot was back over $51 for a bit there, pulled back a dollar while we were here uh, to $50 a pound. But um, you know, it's a great start for, for a uranium bull market, and there's a lot to like and a lot of companies to like as well. Let's talk real estate. But well, we didn't talk lithium. I don't know if we how much you would add there. Yeah, I, I I think the same uh, the, the, the same comments that apply to uranium, frankly, apply to lithium, right? I think the news keeps getting better every day. I think the orders keep coming in. I think there's a, a lack of new supply coming on. I think there's an immense amount of demand coming on, and so I think it's 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 almost like uranium's cousin. It's a different metal, but as far as supply demand fundamentals and where the action is in the near term. I, I like both of them equally. You know, it's a precious metal summit, and everybody keeps asking me. So, what, 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 what do you like right now? What's your favorite metal? I'm like, which sector? I'm like, just in general, lithium, lithium and yeah. uranium, and 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 then copper. Right, copper would be third. And look, I love my gold. Right, we we met someone yesterday that was telling us a story about a gentleman that had a billion dollars of of of, of equities and 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 value and worth. Right, and couldn't for the life of him see the value of having any gold in his portfolio. And it was his wife that oh, had to yeah. convince him to have a little bit of gold in case the banking system imploded or fiat currencies imploded, which could happen in our lifetime and likely will within the next decade, right? And so, you know, it's, it's, it's so interesting to me just how unloved gold is right now. It's probably a great contrarian signal saying that you should be adding some and rotating some profits from your better lithium and uranium names. I'm not saying sell your lithium or uranium names. I'm saying if you're sitting on a three, 4,000% gain in a stock, you maybe take 10% off and go buy something that's really unloved but has the potential to give you four to five fold gains like an Aldebaran and Copper or, you know, another company that, 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 that may provide that kind of upside. But nothing wrong with taking a little bit off the table and nothing wrong with rotating capital, keeping the bulk of the position, but seeing if you could duplicate that somewhere else with a small position. Um, of, of sales, right? The two thousand dollar question is is when though, right? Um, rates continue to go up. The dollar is uh, exceedingly strong still, approaching I think one ten. Yeah, almost one ten. I, I, I great pivot. I wanted to talk real estate. You mentioned the dollar uh, that plays right into interest rates, right? We have thirty year fixed at over six percent. We had a conversation. You had a conversation with the economic ninja, the ninja, right? Who, by the way, gets most more views on his YouTube channel. Then CNN, is that accurate? Yep. And you all had a great conversation about real estate that was incredibly insightful. 
Um, to me, anyhow, just the perspective, not necessarily that I agree with, with the way everything will play out. But, but I thought it was insightful commentary and I thought it was an interesting take. You care to share? I mean, you you know more about real estate than I do. And, and he was saying that, you know, he sees mortgages going to 20% amid a, amid a, you know, real estate crash, essentially, that the Fed isn't going to be able to pivot, that, um, yeah, the rates are just going to skyrocket on the mortgage side and, and homes are going to lose significant amount of value because um, people are going to be willing to, to, to sell their homes. Um, what did you hear? That, that's what I heard. And, and, you know, I respectfully disagree and everybody's got opinions. And, you know, hopefully that's not the scenario. I don't think that given our debt levels here in the U.S. and given the dollar, sta- the, the dollar standing around the world as the reserve currency, I don't think that the Fed or the markets will allow interest rates to get that high because you're going to implode a lot of economies around the world you're going to break down the middle class even more. So first you break them down with inflation, now you're gonna break them down with deflation. Um, and then you're gonna completely stunt what's one of the strongest you know, drivers of our economy, which is the real estate sector, right? It's not just real estate in the general traditional sense where you're buying houses or buying a commercial building, it's the contractors, it's the real estate agents, right? It's the title companies, it's all of these other people that all are a part of that business and have a vested interest in that sector doing well. So do I think interest rates can rise? Can the 30-year rise to 8%? Sure. I, I, I think that's plausible. It's at 6.25 right now. As oh, we that's speak. not historically out of the norm. Absolutely anymore. not. 20%, I think, you know, with debt levels here in the U.S., um, <laughs> with the military budgets that we carry, with the amount of debt that we're going to have to start servicing here over the next 18 months, I find it impossible that that can happen. If it does... That gentleman that, that, that has that billion dollars in equity and value, he's going to want to have some gold. And if that does happen, everybody's going to want to have a little bit of gold because it's going to be some dark days. I don't think that'll be the case. I do think there's more pain coming in the real estate market. Um, I, I think there's more pain coming in the broader indices. I think it's good to have a little bit of liquidity. I've, I've, I've preached on this podcast many times that it's good to be able to defend yourself however you choose to do that. It's good to have you know an extra month or two worth of food that you can freeze up just in case. It's good to have some wood if you have room to store it. It's good to have, uh, you know, all of the things that traditionally help you um, navigate a crisis that nobody foresees. They're called black swans for a reason, right? And so that's different for everybody. Everybody has different needs. I, I would encourage people to have a little bit of gold. I would encourage people to have uh, some money outside of the banking system. Um, there was a report that I read earlier this week from the U.S. warning of, you know, the potential for our financial institutions to be hacked. And, you know, I've long said on this podcast that I just can't see an aggressive Russia continuing, you know, its invasion of the Ukraine or attempted invasion of the Ukraine. They're getting pushed back now. And we'll talk about that in a second. But I, I, I can't see that continuing and, 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 and that just to go in that direction. I don't I don't see that. I don't see that sticking. You must have read the September issue of Foundational Profits. It was talking a lot about how, you know, the world is ending and there's a lot of bad news. And, yeah, we're in a bear market. But, you know, uh, I'm not sure that the end times are here, or that the, the Great Reset is upon us or, um, you know, some of that tinfoil hat stuff. Um, you know, in real estate, trees don't grow to the sky, right? I mean, the, some markets in the U.S. were getting significantly overheated when you've got, um, whatever, 15, 20 percent year over year growth in prices and, and houses being sold sight unseen, waiving inspections. I mean, it gets all the way to the end to the end of the spectrum. And then, of course, corrects a little bit. Does that mean it crashes here? You know, I'm not necessarily sure, but I do think that it's different than, than 2008, primarily from a demographic perspective. Yes. I mean, in 2008, there wasn't so many millennials that are out there like starting families and needing to raise a home. So, um, 
and also with their their parents and grandparents passing away and leaving them money to potentially buy a house i think that that's a that's actually a big current in the market and so we'll see a healthy correction is, is always good for a market agree um, i'm actually gonna <laughs> on this podcast a year or two ago i had a rant about how much i hated the fact that funds like blackrock were coming in and buying entire neighborhoods i saw it in austin i saw it in a lot i saw it in a lot of places where they would these billion dollar funds would come in and just outbid everybody and take entire neighborhoods up and then you know the raise the rent 30 40 50% and and push push everybody out sit on the property for 6 months to a year and then resell it you know at a pretty substantial profit in Austin home appreciation last year was 50% year on year this year they're saying the slowdown is going to be 15 to 20% year on year that's still insane by historical standards mm-hmm. so I, I, I wanted to provide that context because you mentioned how this is different from 2008. And it's also different from 2008 in the sense that a lot of these homes that were bought up by, by, by people like BlackRock, companies like BlackRock, funds like BlackRock, they were cash buyers. And, and if there's one silver lining in them actually coming in and buying entire neighborhoods, is there, there's no mortgages. There, there's no mortgages there, right? So I think the implosion won't be as severe as it was back in 2008 doesn't mean there's not more pain coming doesn't mean there's not gonna be some opportunities um they're still buying too like there was a headline on bloomberg last week that said um you know some fund that they were using to buy houses was slowing down but it was only in a couple of markets and 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 in more markets than um they were getting out they're, they're still buying in more markets than they're getting out of right and so they also have several billion dollars in another fund that they say they're willing to buy houses with so you know um I don't think they'll wait for an ultimate bottom, right? If prices get cheaper, I think you get institutions that continue to buy those assets. Um, mainly also because we're in a bear market in equities, right? And if you can get that sort of hard asset in the form of uh, housing, I think they're willing to step in and buy. I like it. The world's getting crazier, Nick. Every day. <clears throat> What's sticking out to you? Oh, man, you said we were going to talk Russia. so Yep, that's where I was going. You read yeah, my mind. I mean, <laughs> Thanks for catching that. Um, yeah, I mean, like you say, the what, Ukraine has advanced something like several thousand uh, square kilometers in the past couple of weeks. Um, you made an interesting comment to me the other day that you read somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to that in a second. And 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 Putin is getting some pushback even in his own country. There was a group of a, I think it was a couple of dozen or maybe even two hundred mayors that signed a petition, basically calling for Putin to resign. So yeah. there's some internal chaos going on um, in Russia, and we'll see how how Putin reacts to that. We've already seen lots of of Russian diplomats and businessmen, you know, jumping out of windows, jumping out of windows. Yeah. So. Um, you know, cars being exploded even and, and things like that. So it's interesting that they would, and well, wait a second. I mean, it, it seems like they're running low on supplies on the one hand, like there's reports out saying that they're buying uh, missiles and things from North Korea, right? Because the sanctions are starting to work and the, and the slowdown in, in Russia makes it such that they can't produce the things themselves. But when you think of the might of Russia next to the next to quote unquote meek Ukraine, right? It's like, well, he's still got a bunch of things that he could do, right? If, if he wants to really be a war criminal, right? Like some things that he did in like Chechnya and Syria, for example. So um, it could get very interesting. And, and yeah, the thing I read was, you know, a, a doom thing, you know, a zero hedge thing about, you know, one of the reasons Ukraine could be advancing so fast is because Russia is pulling their troops out in advance of, you know, some form of tactical nuclear strike, which the world gets really crazy really fast if that happens. So I don't like to live in fear and, and, and uh, I'm not sure that would be an all-out nuclear war. You know, they have these smaller nuclear warheads that they could deploy now. But that's just crazy times and, and, yeah. and, and tough stuff to think about. Yeah, um, very much so. Very much so. Uh, 
what else, what other companies have any other companies stuck out to you during this summit? You know, we're doing this live. Uh, it's great. I don't want to give them all away. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's where I was going. Right. That's where I was going. I know we can't give everything away, but um, let, let me phrase it this way: uh, Are there companies that you absolutely love that? our recommendations and we can put a link up to you, you know, well, well, shameless plug, we can put a link up to your services and people can subscribe if they want to get those recommendations. Right. Um, but are there companies in your letter that you've vetted here further and, and have been impressed with without giving the names away? Right. Well, I think the two I interviewed are the, are, are the ones you get when you sign up for this, you know, gold video that we've been touting for the past couple of weeks. The one is uh, an Idaho gold company that is on to what we've been calling America's next biggest gold discovery. Right. And so they released news while we were here that, um, in fact, they found more high grade underneath a, a zone that they Long were de wins. delivering high grade from uh, late last year. And they still got a lot of drilling to do. Um, they still have holes pending. So that's what, you know, part of this video is about is how, you know, soon the market is going to realize, you know, what's going on there, that this is maybe an orogenic deposit deeper than anyone first thought. And yeah, so um, they were 50 meters of, of three point some grams. Of, uh, what kind of deposit, Nick? Orogenic. <laughs> Why? Because no, I'm a child and last week's. A Bizarro World episode it was called an orgy of profits, and I just wanted to hear you say orogenic again. I don't get to do this face to face with you every week, so thank you for that. Yep, as you were. And then the, <laughs> the next holes that are going to come out are, are, are many tens of meters below the holes that they're going to announce now. So um, those ounces add up very quickly when you're talking yeah. about plus three, four, five, ten gram a ton gold, right? So um, that would be one of them. And then uh, another one is a. What's the? I mean, not to cut you off, but what's the potential upside with that company? in a better gold market, which I think is coming, by the way, in the next quarter or two. I mean, it's undervalued given today's market. Yeah, the the, the report says that there's a two thousand percent upside just based on the the, the in situ uh, price of, of gold in previous you know comparable acquisitions. Um, I don't know about their their you know enterprise value to nav off the top of my head, but uh, what I would say is they're getting valued at only eight or nine dollars uh, you know per ounce in the ground, and in previous acquisitions are done I think historically around forty, yeah. and some recent ones have been up upwards of like two hundred, yes. especially when they come. Um, you know, with uh, de-risk, yes, like less infrastructure risk. grade, exactly. all those which things, which this company has, and so um, if they've got four, four million ounces, we're pretty sure there's five million ounces, and they're going to be much bigger than that. You do the math on that and multiply yeah. it times just forty, in fact, and, and you can see sort of what the upside is. And then the other one is a a big PGM deposit in in Brazil. So as part of that video, you know, you get a report about uh, this other company in Brazil as well that has. Uh, um, a high-grade PGM resource with with gold as well, and also with nickel. You know, they've been hitting some semi-massive and, and massive sulfides, and pretty excited about that. You know, it's good to gauge people's uh, body language, as you know, and um, yeah, we're you know, new chests are out for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, and just to add and chime in a bit, without giving the name, we're both shareholders of that company. Um, they're on to a new. They already have a massive resource in place: PGM resource plus rhodium plus gold. This uh, new copper nickel massive sulfide discovery that they've made the grins on the faces of the management team was very telling to me and the fact that they put a rig on this immediately tells me they think this could potentially be another significant deposit to a company the one that already exists and let's be absolutely clear this is a company that i think within 12 to 18 months can trade at you know five sure times several dollars yeah. absolutely the current value and if this new copper nickel deposit turns out to be what they think it is 
We're going to be really off to the races on that one. So long-winded way of saying, everybody, click on the damn link and pony up <laughs> however much it is. And if you don't make money with it, just cancel it before the refund period expires. You'll get your money back and you get a chance to make some money. Seems pretty simple. Thanks for the plug. You're very welcome. <laughs> make sure to put the link up, everybody. <laughs> what else are you watching out there, Nick? Oh, man, I don't know. Um... I have a new favorite actress. Who's that? Ana de Armas. I don't think I know who that is. <laughs> She'll be playing more than there. Rihanna. I remember Rihanna's how we started this whole God. podcast. <laughs> I, Rihanna could still sing ABCs to me every day. Yeah, more than Rihanna's tough. And then um, we don't have to pit woman against woman. Let's just yeah. say I like them both a lot. No, I know the Adams will be starring in a new movie uh, based on Mar Marilyn Monroe, a Netflix original, uh, a biopic, and supposedly she did a phenomenal job. Aside from being drop dead gorgeous, she's a phenomenal actress. So. Go high, high, another Armas. There you go. No, I mean, I would, you know, I continue down the bad news trail. I'm, 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 I'm trying to go beautiful woman, everybody. I'm trying to stay happy. My brother wrote an article this week that he said is a tough read. It was one of the toughest ones that he's had to write um, in his career, he said. And I haven't read it because I haven't wanted, wanted to dampen my mood, especially in light of the fact that we get to be here in person. Um, we get to connect with everybody. It's been a blast. It's been, you know, a lot of hard work, but it's also been a lot of fun. So I'm saving it for that. But as you were with your bad news, Nick. <laughs> oh, man, I was going to say I'll spare you, but I guess I won't. No, I mean, you've got this this threat of the rail lines uh, striking at Burlington Northern Santa Fe um, and some of the other big ones, which could, you know, exacerbate already, you know, a woeful supply chain. We're talking about coal getting to power plants. We're talking about um, grains like commodities and soy getting where they need to go and, and fertilizer getting where it needs to grow to grow more of that stuff. So um, we'll see if that materializes. Those headlines just started percolating up a little bit. Um, and then one article I was reading uh, while I was sitting here earlier was about the U.S. education system, right? And and we talked a lot about lockdowns when they were going on and, and how they kept us... The, Positive Nick over here. I know, sorry. <laughs> how they kept the kids out of school so long and, and how I was grateful that the, the private schools didn't do that, right? Got them back as much as they could and um, they weren't out that long, in fact. And now we're seeing sort of the the effects of that, right? I mean, the, the standardized tests are coming out and on the reading side of thing, U.S. public school kids um, had the biggest fall in like 20 20 or 30 years since, yeah. the, since the early 90s. And on the math side, it was the first decline ever since the tests started being given. So make sure your kids are reading, make sure they're getting you know math tutelage or whatever it is. And, and it continues to show you that the, um, you know, not letting a good crisis go to waste has, has consequences, right? Those were like teacher unions and, and politicians who were, who, were, who were pushing for those lockdowns in the day. And so I'm not trying to get all political or get into the, 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 the virus debate or whatever, but real world implications for the future of the country, for sure. Absolutely. Um, since we're sharing bad news, let's get into uh, Pakistan and, and you know, fucking media's horrible job, horrible job of covering what is a catastrophe in oh, the Pakistan? The floods are absolutely terrible. Millions have been displaced. Tens of thousands, thousands if not tens of thousands, have died. Um, I, I mean, if, if folks, if you just Google it, you can find some news articles, but you really have to look for it. You actually have to be curious about what's going on with the Pakistani people. My heart, my heart goes out to them, and it really pisses me off to see that the media hasn't been more at the forefront of covering it. And that goes from the Foxes to the CNNs. I don't care what your political leanings are. Nobody's really had this on the front page. I got to see, you know, I, I got to read fucking articles and look at news reports about Prince Harry and his brother making up and whether that's going to happen now that the Queen's dead. You, you know, we haven't talked about the Queen. Good on us. <laughs> and I'm not. I mean, 
makes you, you know, makes you rest in peace, right? I, I, Charles you know, has a billion dollars I was reading today, anyway. Oh, fuck it. We will talk about the Queen, just not in the way that you wanted to since we're going there. So, yeah, media, do a better job uh, because that catastrophe deserves a whole hell lot more support um, from media, from people, from nonprofits. Um, we're sending hundreds of billions of dollars in weapons aid to the Ukraine, and I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to that. Meanwhile, we're completely, almost completely ignoring what's going on in Pakistan. So um, do better media. And then if you want to stay on, 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 on the, you know, we're all peasants, you know, in the bigger scheme of things, if, if, if you don't have, you know, the kind of wealth that allows for you to do these things. Um, yes, the queen passed. Yes, we now know that Prince Charles has, you know, a billion dollar war chest. And we also know that his fucking princely ass isn't going to pay the 40% inheritance tax because the queen was able to negotiate a special exception on that inheritance tax. 40%, folks. You do the math. It's not really hard. It's 40% of a billion. You know what that would have been. You don't think the citizenry could have used it? Maybe those schools, maybe the infrastructure, maybe raising the pay of teachers, maybe raising the pay of state employees. I don't know. Maybe like sending Prince Andrew to a fucking island where he's not molesting and raping kids. Mm -hmm. There's so many things you can do with that money, right? Then make a special exception. And my other point is, folks, you'll never get a special exception. That's not going to happen unless you have the kind of capital and influence that allows for that to happen. It's the same kind of uh, influence that allows for Prince Andrew to go around doing the sick shit that he did for as many years as he did. And since we're being on, on, on the bad news rant, you know, I, I was reading more articles about all these people coming forward talking about well, they all knew what Jeffrey, I'm talking about Jeff Epstein, was doing, but we just didn't feel that we had the power to stop it. I mean, it makes me sick. I mean, you're, you're complicit. You're complicit. And there's some nasty people out there, man. It's, 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 well, you took me down the rabbit hole of bad news. So here we are. It is a bizarre world. I mean, considering all the resources they put into low-level crimes and drug crimes and things like that and all the resources we give police, you know, you know certainly there should be the, the firepower to, to do something about it, right? I guess it's, it's good to be the king and, and to have your face on the money. And, you know, to speak about the two-tier justice system and the, and the self-servism, I mean, the New York, here in the States, the New York Times had a report out this week, you know, Trades made by members of, of Congress, right? The House of Representatives and the Senate. I don't know if you had a chance to catch that. Mm -hmm. um, and there was like 3,500 suspicious trades or something that they found, right? Like, um, you know, one congressperson was, um, you know, on the Agricultural Committee and was like trading cattle futures. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Again, they have zero respect for you people. I, and I don't care if it's, you know, yeah. England here in the U.S. and whatever. Zero respect. And I think another one was selling Boeing like the day before a report came out of the like a congressional committee about, you know, the safety measures uh, and how the planes were unsafe and things like that. So you know, they got and, people and killed and because and of and their and negligence. And then they both claimed that, you know, these were just done. These were uh, broker trades that they didn't have anything to do with. I mean, you got to be kidding me, right? Coinkitings, man. A lot of coinkitings out there. What are you watching for this week in the markets, Nick? Oh, man. Um, I'll give you the same answer as last week. So um, GDP is is not going to be good for the third quarter, and we're getting to the end of it. So more bearish catalysts are going to abound, right? Like two weeks ago, the Atlanta Fed had their GDP now cast at closer to 3%. And in the two weeks since then, it's fallen down closer to 1%. And they update that based on um, you know economic reports that come out, CPIs and manufacturing indexes and things like that. So you get an update um, fairly frequently. There'll be another one the day after 
after we record this, and I would would expect it to go uh, lower again. So I think you know GDP for the for the third quarter comes in zero to one percent. Um, keen eye on rates and and other than that um i'm making a list right because it's not going to be a bear market forever and so i found some decent opportunities that i would like to deploy capital into once the the broad markets tell me it's time to do that and so um diligence on those companies i guess i'll be doing i like it i like it. i know uh, i've gotten a lot of comments i know several of you now tune into this podcast just for my patriot battery metals rant and so um look uh, the company keeps acting like a company that is very serious about not just turning the Corvette lithium district into one of, if not the biggest lithium uh, deposits, because I think it'll be multiple deposits, but the biggest lithium district in the world. Um, they, they, they continue to show me and to telegraph to the market that they are willing and positioning to actually build this out um, and, 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 and become you know a next Pilbara, right? Which now has a market cap, by the way, after hitting new all-time highs of something like twelve or thirteen billion dollars, right? Um, so, so you know, they 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 brought another gentleman on board. They created a special committee, and 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 essentially, this committee is tasked with investigating all of the potential opportunities for making this a vertically integrated business, not just exploring for exploration's sake, right? We've seen how quickly. And this is my estimate, and 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 you know, there's several research firms that, that 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 agree with me now. You know, we've seen how quickly they've been able to drill out what I think is anywhere between 165 to 200 million tons thus far uh, of lithium, right, at at a percent or above. That that hasn't taken very long. That's been less than a year, right, since they really got aggressive about the drilling. And this is the most aggressive drill program thus far. We're in the midst of it. The next 12 months. If they're able to you put out a resource of anywhere near 200 million tons and then they're able to duplicate that and then they're able to finance with very minimal dilution uh, the build out of this thing and start securing offtake agreements, um, that $50 target in the right lithium environment with the right macro backdrop could end up proving conservative. And, and, and so kudos to them. I expect assays from the company this, this week. By the time you all get this, it'll be this week. Um, and no, look, they, they, they keep doing all the right things. So I, it's, it's interesting to me. The company's held up pretty well, despite, uh, the broader indices and the market pullback. The one that's pulled back a little bit more is uh, Nevada sunrise gold. And I think there's a pretty logical explanation for that. There's some 30 cent warrants that, you know, at, at 36 cents we're, we're in the money. And I know the company is likely encouraging some long-term investors to take some profits on, you know, the, the, the current stock price in order to access the capital from those 30 cent warrants. I suspect that's happening. I suspect that's why the prices drifted lower back to the 30 cent side. So for those of you out there on the retail side that don't have the luxury of being able to sell your stock and then buying 30 cent warrants, 30 cents seems like a pretty damn good price to pay for Nevada Sunrise Gold, which is now drilling in Nevada. And again, the clay, the clay is the clay. Uh, maybe it's economic, maybe it's not, maybe there's a lot of it. Um, but the prize there is a brine. And we know that you know that lithium in water came from somewhere. And if they discover O'Brien in Nevada, then it's all, you know, it's going to be uh, off to the races. Good shit. So watching those two, we like Aldebaran. Click on the link. <laughs> Kidding, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Click on the link for uh, Nick's service and the new promo and the video. And, you know, frankly, the video is very educational. Even if you don't buy anything, um, it's a damn good video and a very educational video. And if you don't make money, get your money back. That's all. That's all I got. Anything else, Nick? No, that's it. We'll see you next week back in the office, right? Absolutely. It was fun, everybody. Live from the 2022 Beaver Creek Precious Metal Summit. 
I am Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 186 of our therapy session we call Bizarro World. Say something smart to the people, Nick. I tell them, see ya. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.